the art Basel that I return to is on one hand, very much the same, i.e. we continue to run uh, and really lead the industry in the delivery of, of the most exceptional art fairs in the world. But of course, we're we're different now, um, having launched uh, the new show in Paris with Perry Blue uh, this past October. And we re-enter a world in the beginning of 2023 that's coming back online, you know, in a in a different way. The industry that we're operating in, the art world, the art market is a similar but changed place. Um, it's obviously a very competitive space, you know, bigger ticket items, bigger galleries, bigger players, be it the auction houses in a context that we can talk about as well that is radically different, I'd say, today than it was even just a free a few years ago. Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast, live arts look behind the scenes at how the global art market really works. I'm your host, Marion Maneker. This podcast is brought to you by Live Art, the global art marketplace that puts you in control. Download the Live Art app to get all of the most relevant art market information as well as access to exclusive private sales. Or visit us at liveart.io. Noah Horowitz is the new CEO of Art Basel. After a year away from the company, Noah returns to a very different international art fair landscape. Art Basel itself is very different too. In this conversation, we discuss the power of Art Basel's brand, the expansion to Paris, and the opportunities Noah sees for the future. Noah, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Marian. So I thought we would start with a little bit of framing in the sense that the pandemic really is a big gap between the old world of art fairs and whatever is going to come next. There's so many initiatives. Art Basel has many of them, but you're new uh, in this role. This role of CEO is new. The company that you used to work at for many years, in some ways, you know, continues on, but in many important ways, it has a new owner. It has, uh, I presume, new priorities. And so I thought, you know, sort of taking it as a kind of clean slate, we could start with looking at the um, art fair universe. Uh, your very particular and unique role in it, you being Art Basel. And I'd really love to hear sort of what your, you know, big picture goals uh, are in your new role. Yeah, th- uh, thanks, Mary. And it's great to be here. It's obviously fantastic to be back in this new CEO capacity with Art Basel as a business that I worked with in my capacity as Director of America's from 2015 uh, until till fall of, of 2021 or, or summer 21 when I left to to head to Sotheby's and then coming back about a year later entirely new and, and reimagined role with new leadership uh, both as as you know at, at the board level but then also at the MCH level with the new group CEO as well and a business that's now you know in many ways really slingshotting out of COVID and in a, in a very different world. And so to begin, you know, I think we should begin with the beginning. I mean, obviously, the Art Basel that I return to is, on one hand, very much the same, i.e. we continue to run uh, and really lead the industry in the delivery of, of the most exceptional art fairs in the world. 
But of course, we're we're different now, um, having launched uh, the new show in Paris with Perry Clue uh, this past October, and you know, and we re-enter a world in the beginning of 2023 that's coming back online, you know, in a in a different way. The industry that we're operating in, the art world, the art market, is a similar but changed place. Um, it's obviously a very competitive space. You know, bigger ticket items, bigger galleries, bigger players, be it the auction houses, whomever are, you know, very front and center right now. We came after a very busy fall calendar of, you know, new art fair launches, both with us in Paris, obviously with, with Freeze and Soul, you know, we had the, you know, the Paul Allen collection in particular at Christie's, but a lot of other activities elsewhere really sucking up a lot of time and energy. And then, of course, we also um, ended the year in Miami, you know, in a business that that I played a really important role in, in shaping in my earlier role as Director of America's celebrating its 20th anniversary edition in Miami Beach in a, in a South Florida context that we can talk about as well that is radically different, I'd say, today than it was even just a, free, a few years ago pre-COVID. So it is, in short, a fantastic opportunity and an amazing business. It's a business that I I, I love, I'm passionate about. I, I I love what the mission of what Art Basel is to the community of gallerists and dealers in the primary and also in the secondary market and, and how we work together with them to create really a, a platform and a, a zone, let's say, several times a year to really bring our various audiences together. But it's also a business that I think has a lot of room for growth uh, in a different market, uh, in an evolving market, where um, there's just a lot more we can do with our varied audiences around the shows uh, and the cities in which we operate, but also, you know, certainly in the future on a more ongoing basis, whether that's through our, our digital or content channels, whether that's through really flipping the switch on different types of, uh, of coming together uh, as well. I mean, stuck between the launch of our show in Paris and the 20th anniversary of our fair in Miami Beach, we worked with Art Week Tokyo and brought a great group of people and a really like built a, an amazing week-long uh, uh, itinerary in, in Tokyo that, that flew a little bit under the radar. And that was a bit of a test balloon in a way of, of sort of what we can do in a, in a different market, in a different context, really to stir the park with a different sort of gradation of the collecting and, and art and cultural communities. And I think there's a lot more that we can do there as well. So, you know, that's the that's the world in which I start this journey in a different way than than Mark ended his journey with, with Art Basel. He had, you know, been the global director um, of Art Basel for, for, you know, over a decade. Mark brought myself to the table, put a lot of the foundations of much of the rest of our business in place you know, I enter in a different place. You know, we are a, a really major business now in our industry. We're a, a, a major brand, let's say, as well. You, you are the major brand. Let, let's be clear. You you are not just within the art fair industry. Uh, yes, the, the two auction houses, because of their length of time um, and their global reach, have extraordinary brands. But you have a unique brand that uh, associated with contemporary art that I don't think anyone else, not the mega galleries, as we call, call them, Art Basel has this uh, extraordinary brand. And it's worth, one, recognizing that, uh, that that doesn't take anything away from some of the other fairs and, and, and companies. And two, I mean, I guess it goes back to what my 
sort of questions about is, I imagine when you were both hired for the job and the the, the new board and uh, owners, they're, uh, you know, all businesses take advantage of whatever happens in front of them, but there have to be sort of directives. And it could be, it's easy from the outside to think, well, you could launch more fairs. Or another way of doing it is, how do you maximize more, you know, activity for the galleries and get more galleries on your platform and bomb those galleries uh, to you? Uh, you know, one of the unrecognized secret weapons of Art Basel in particular is your VIP program. And it's interesting to hear you say, hey, we're going to essentially be involved in a pop-up in Art Tokyo or that where we might be able to activate and bring people from our programs to your event that isn't necessarily an Art Basel fair setting up booths and selling as uh, you, know, you and Mark used to say carpet squares you know that there there's different kinds of things that can be done with this business and I guess that's sort of a question is there a number one thing let's start at the beginning I mean first um, you know regarding where Art Basel sits within the broader corporate structure in which we operate you know Art Basel doesn't have new owners MCH which is our parent company you know, the last two years has taken on, you know, substantial new investment from Lupus Systems, which is, uh, you know, now an investor, not in Art Basel per se, but is in, the, in that parent company. And I think that's important because, A, it's often slightly confused. B, because when we look at opportunities as a business, I mean, one of the nuts and bolts thing that we need to do as a business is unlock um, synergies and opportunities internally. And that journey is now underway. Florian Faber is our group. CEO. Um, he took that role this summer, having led one of the operations and logistics businesses internally for many years. So he's somebody that knows the nuts and bolts of our core um, parent company very well. He and I are, are more or less the same age. We come at this with sort of fresh perspectives. We also know the nuts and bolts of our respective businesses incredibly well. And I think I underline that with you because on the one hand, it's sort of an inside baseball, very technical thing, but it's actually a strategic advantage. It's somewhat misunderstood within our market um, where everybody else is focused a lot on external investment, a lot of big picture business ideation, which is really cool. But to start making that hum, we have to begin from the beginning. And that's internal and it's organizational stuff, backend stuff. And actually coming out of COVID, that business is really considerably strength, you know, strengthened its its core. Um, a lot of those operations business uh, also here in the U.S. are going from strength to strength right now. And so that's the, that's the base. Equally then, when we extend that to what the opportunity is ahead of us within our Basel, and I think to underline some of the immediate priorities, I mean, we can talk about unlocking brand value. Uh, we can talk about new types of business initiatives and new things we can do with whether that's collectors or various partners or indeed other journeys we can map out for our galleries and their artists who are the engine that, that really has made our Basel hum for the last 50 years and will always be the center. None of that is possible without a thriving fair business. And so to begin the year now, you know, the core agenda that we have as a business and with our various selection committees, curators that we work with and with the galleries themselves is to unequivocally make sure that the wheels of the core fair business are greased and, and are working more fluidly and better than ever. And so on that end, one of the 
really important things to underline internally is, is you know, the, the, the elevated role that Vincenzo DeBellis, our colleague, who was appointed at the end of the summer as, as director of affairs and exhibition platforms has, um, because within our new architecture, you know, Vincenzo in many ways is more a one-to-one with what Mark was historically as the ultimate architect and orchestrator of the fairs and within the fairs you know, starting the year in Hong Kong and Basel, Paris now and Miami Beach, you know, each of those businesses or each of those, 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 those events has their own leadership team and orchestration. And so uh, as I begin my journey with Art Basel, you know, we've appointed a great young director in Clément Delapine, who's working now and is leading the Paris show. Angel Siyong uh, Lei has is, is worked with us for many years on our galleries team, is now the director of the Hong Kong Fair. You know, and we're in the process of, you know, recruiting for directors for the Miami Beach role and also for the Basel role. And so that's the foundation of our business. And if we want to talk like real business, we have to get those foundations in place first for our core business to make sure the core engine is working, that those businesses are invested in and looked after by the right teams that each bring with them their own unique skill sets uh, and understandings of how they want them to grow. You had fair directors in the past, but it sounds like you are now sort of giving people, breaking them down so that there is a director specific to each fair. And I presume that goes from everything from on the week of the fair, uh, troubleshooting all problems and making sure everyone's happy, but on the uh, rest of the time, developing relationships with the galleries to get the right ones there, but also figuring out the mechanism, whether it's the committee or otherwise, to cast your fairs so that you have the right mix of uh, galleries, both discoveries, uh, maybe edgier ones, but also not over the edge or off the edge. But also, uh, you know, you've had this issue, and we can talk about that maybe later, about the perception of there being a little too much direction from, you know, a prescribing program either to qualify for the Basel Fair or in terms of what people can bring to certain fairs. But what you're saying is there's basically someone going to be in place for each fair, and that's their job. How much do you expect galleries or hope galleries to do multiple fairs? So if I enter the fair wanting to do, you know, Hong Kong, does that immediately mean I have to then relate to whoever's the director of the Miami Fair if I also decide I am now fictitiously running a gallery, but I, as a gallery owner, am I, uh, you know, going to then deal with a separate person or is that they're sort of, once I'm in the system, I kind of get access to the fairs I might, you know, at least have a shot at getting access to. Yeah. So, I mean, we need to do a better job than we have historically of creating that, that sort of client coverage, let's say, Um, you know, but to roll back slightly, I mean, let's be very clear. I mean, we had directors of these fairs before the emphasis was a little bit different. I mean, if you just look at um, Mark's role as global director, so really the figure had the face, the visionary of our Basel as a global business, you know, concurrent with that, he was also running day to day the show in Basel. And, you know, my premise is a little bit like each of the fairs has gotten so large and so complex in their own right that we need a team that's full, solely focused on mapping out and um, growing the opportunities within each of those businesses, and also that ensuring that each of them in turn takes on their own unique dynamics so that the show in Basel has its own unique color and feel and look from Hong Kong and from Miami and Paris, you know, in time will develop into its own identity. And so we can talk about that 
a little bit in a moment, but I, I think we should be clear in saying it's it's not like this is radical re-architecting, but rather reinvesting with a clearer focus and how we want to handle each of these and what then Vincenzo's role is as the as the orchestrator, let's say, overarching all that. I think, you know, if we really make this work with Vincenzo in that role, or we, you know, promoted last summer Dunya Godfice, who's been with us for years, you know, really with me on, on the Miami Fair, and she's now global head of gallery relations. And as she grows into that role, she should be able to work to work with our individual gallery relations team or, or fair directors to create more unilateral coverage and more information share about, you know, a gallery, wherever that gallery may be, and to help take them on that journey so that they feel more in sync with and in touch with what our Basel is. Do we want galleries to be doing multiple fairs? Like, absolutely. We absolutely do. Um, but equally, we want each show to have its own unique feel and color. So a gallery, you know, coming to the Basel show should ideally bring a slightly different look than they are in Miami, or we want additional galleries in, you know, Paris or Miami or Hong Kong that can help round out the edges of the overall architecture of the fair. And so those things sound simple in practice, but actually in detail, they take a lot of work and attention. And, you know, we were in Paris with various committee members last week and looking at, it's one of these unique weeks within the Art Basel calendar, where we're not actually looking at applications. We're doing more big picture projecting out to what the year ahead looks like and what we need to do to stay on our toes. And you know, one of the committee members, you know, remarked upon that, you know, one of the beautiful things with our Basel is that, you know, we spend so much time going so deep and granular in individual applications for each show and for each sector within the show. And, you know, we may end up spending another day or two on work that you could easily just breeze through. And that extra work doesn't make the fair 50% better. It doesn't make the fair 100% better. Maybe it makes it 2 or 3 or 5% better. But Art Basel's rigorous attention to getting those detail rights, when you stack that up across four shows and everything else we already do and know that we can be doing in the future, starts to become that great differentiator between what we do and the rest of the industry, so to speak. And I think because we are so razor focused on quality as an exceptional basis and, you know, having this extraordinary best in class, man, it, it, it filters down to how our team sees their, their time with our organization, but how committees themselves interact with us. And then ultimately what galleries bring, you know, you could see this, I think, very clearly in Paris this past autumn, where, you know, the fair wasn't as large as the other Art Basel shows, um, the 150 odd galleries that were there brought such exceptional blue chip work that it just felt a world different than what past editions of, of fairs in, in, in Paris had been, or at least significantly better out of the gates with, you know, a VIP audience and a collecting audience and an institutional audience that, that came with it. It just created a, a different feel, even if, you know, the, the location, the city, the time of year was more or less the same. Well, I have to say, I, I was mostly struck when this whole thing came about that you guys chose to go after that particular weekend that had already been had a fair there. 
I presume that's because there's infrastructure uh, and uh, there was a space. But the fair in Paris will become something. Certainly, it won't resemble the ferret supplants in any way, shape, or form if you guys are successful. I don't think I don't think you guys view that as a goal, like, hey, let's do a version of that. Your goal is to let's create something in Paris that's uh, extraordinary. And given that Paris is the capital of the luxury industry, and there is increasing connections between the fashion and luxury businesses and the art world, it seems like uh, again, uh, uh, it requires a, a high-quality player to be able to pull this off, but Art Basel is uniquely positioned to create something that would be, you know, sort of a luxury week. Maybe October is the right time, but I look at what Miami has become. I mean, it's an enormous week of parties and events far exceeding Art Basel. I don't think it, it takes away from Art Basel to say that, like, it would continue on without... Art Basel there. I don't think it would continue on forever or be quite the uh, the same, but it, you've, you've created this sort of enormous party. And I think part of the, the value of your brand is being associated with this huge party in uh, Miami every uh, December. So I, I guess what I'm asking is, what is the, in your mind's eye or in, you know, all MCH's eye, what, what, what's winning in Paris? What, what could that uh, fair actually become? Is it, you know, a week of constant, uh, fat, you know, that the emerging of sort of fashion week and, uh, uh, art fairs so that, you know, the, the pulse of the art and fashion worlds are all sort of taken together? Is it something else that combines or maybe vertically, you know, delineates different uh, things? Or is it, uh, really just, you know, you'll see how it, how it develops? I think everything you've enumerated is really exciting <laughs> in different ways. But in the end, sort of, as I said a moment ago, you know, we need to start with the basics, which is getting an extraordinary fair together with exceptional art at the highest possible quality. And right. before we speak of Paris as, you know, a luxury capital, before we look at the opportunities around what doing an art fair in Paris and not just Paris at any point in time, but Paris right now is, um, which is a very different, it's a very different moment now than in many ways it's ever been. I mean, I grew up in a world in which, you know, New York and London were the art market capitals, you know, with in a post-Brexit environment with, you know, luxury businesses and certain titans of industry, we know who they are all running their various businesses out of, of Paris, all of a sudden it takes on a totally new meaning. But in the end, you know, Paris is a great cultural capital, first and foremost, it's a city that basically any artist in the world and any gallery in the world wants to be in. It's also a city, if we look at the history of our market, you know, in the sort of immediate post-war period that, you know, there was a moment in which all our business was there and then it migrated to New York and, and then we never looked back. And now we have this neat opportunity to build back an extraordinary global fair in Paris that can reconnect with these extraordinary collecting communities, these wonderful institutions and, you know, a polyphony of other creative uh, industries, whether that's uh, performing arts, whether that's visual arts, whether that's music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that really call Paris um, their home, certainly in the European context nowadays. So first port of call is, is getting the fair up and running and bringing that art puzzle imprimatur to it. 
that will continue this year. And then we look ahead with extraordinary enthusiasm to stepping into the Grand Palais, which is one of the, you know, the most extraordinary buildings to do an event really of any kind in the world. Um, and so that's, you know, that those are the first and, and immediate ports of call. And then, you know, as we scale up that business and look at other ways of really stretching out into to Paris. And, and here it's worth, you know, underlining the fact that the original intentionality before the behind the name Perry Plu was to underline, you know, that these adjacencies and these potentialities in, in other ways. And I think it's it's it, it on the one hand, you could say that it's just a, a sort of branding sleight of hand. On the other hand, you know, Art Basel, if you look at the Art Basel business, you know, we have generally been a, a fair where we, you know, follow a if you build it they will come uh, approach. So you go to Miami, which is at the intersection of, you know, the North and South American markets, but in its own wasn't, you know, a major art market capital. And we created a market there and all that's around it. Basel itself, where we come from is obviously, it's not London, it's not Paris, it's not New York, it's something else. Um, Basel is extraordinary history as a trading hub um, going back centuries. And so that's become a thing. Hong Kong is its own dynamic in the Asian market that's rapidly accelerated. We can talk about that in a moment. But when Art HK set up in, in Hong Kong in 2008-9, it's a very different economy. Paris is, is different yet. And so as we scale up in Paris, we're very excited about really thriving and growing in a city with a really proud heritage and history with an extraordinary and extraordinarily rich gallery and institutional scene and, and growing with it in a slightly different way than, than we have to date in other cities. It used to be the structure of your business was Art Basel and Basel was and and remains the crown jewel of all art fairs. It's the fair that the you know highest ticket items and biggest volume of business, the best collectors, and it's very much a you know it's a destination all its own. It's it's the Davos of the art world. People are there because everyone co comes there. But there was a sense in the past that the other fairs were somewhat kind of subsidiary to or even a chance to climb the ladder towards. Now, especially with the Paris Plu uh, affair and with the growth of Freeze in other cities and the importance of some of the cities you're not in, in LA and um, Seoul for, for Freeze. I mean, there are other cities that, that uh, matter uh, and, and could matter uh, more, but we're now seeing that for many, uh, the d differentiator of the fairs is what city they're in. And if you are a gallery and want to be able to have a presence in Seoul, you're going to go to Freeze, whether you decide that you want to be in LA or Freeze or uh, uh, Singapore is about running your business, less about you know getting into that uh, uh, fair. You talked earlier about you know sort of quality control and uh, and it and I think especially these days how you define quality has gotten a little bit different than it was even you know eight ten years ago. I don't know. Are you going to continue to do it the same way with the committee and give the committee so much control? Are you going to take, you mentioned earlier, really going over the programs, you going to continue to take that kind of active role? Is that the differentiator for Art uh, Basel that, that your teams are really, you know, partnering with the galleries to go over every detail of what appears at the fair? 
I think that that's the DNA of what's gotten us here. And I have no intention of sort of overhauling that DNA. You know, we work because there's consensus built and real trust in a, a fluid working relationship with the various committees that together were greater than the sum of our parts, so to speak. And so, you know, I will say that as the dynamic between, you know, the nuts and bolts of a fair and how that fair, you know, is defined by the city or the geography in, in which it's based has evolved, I, I always come back still to the fact that it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if you're in this city or this country or that, if, if the fair itself or if the, the composition of the the fair is not batting at, at the highest possible level it could. And that's why there are some smaller niche or regional fairs that are really interesting because in their own way, uh, they do things really well. I think at an international level, our, our Basel does it better than ever. Equally, as I as I look into this as the person leading our business now, I think we need to be honest about how audiences themselves have changed and evolved. You know, when our Basel was founded in 1970, and really up until the beginning of our Basel Miami Beach in the early 2000s, when this art fair era really set in, you know, our business was much more narrowly defined through a, a smaller art world, a more targeted professional class of collectors and dealers and obviously the auction house actors and sure there was a professional you know pool of, of advisors and consultants that supported that but it was a far smaller business and it was a far more professionalized class let's say of actors and if you map out what's happened since the launch of our Basel Miami Beach and 2002 and, you know, the launch of Freeze in London the following year. And then, you know, the, this extraordinary constellation, which many of us in the industry have talked about, wherein, you know, at least in a pre-COVID era, you know, there were, I don't know, 200 or so fairs a year, like everywhere, somewhere there's a fair. And what that brought with it was not just a longer tale of galleries and curators and varying committees and, and whatnot, but it, it brought in a much larger and more gradated audience. So now you're in Miami Beach and it's December 2002 and you have your your first choice opening that really is targeted around the the alpha collectors and the institutional actors and you know really great advisors and maybe some that aren't but then you have you know you just have everything else we have this extraordinary partnership platform you have all the brand activations you have all these other people and communities that have alighted in South Florida that really come there that draw on everything there is created. And so I think in many ways for us as a business, we need to do now two things at once. We need to continue to make the fair better and better in the halls of the show and really move the needle and future fit what we do in terms of really delivering A plus art you know, from the bluest of blue chip material to the most cutting edge young galleries, which increasingly to your, your point a moment ago, Marion, look and feel different nowadays than it did 10, 20 years ago. It's a much more global rhythm, even within the, you know, just speaking to you from New York here within the regional American environment, we have more galleries and artists that are based outside of like the New York LA axis. And so that, that color and that creation is super important. And that's what, you know, I really want our core fair teams to be focused on in the future. And, and that's going to have a different dynamic again, 
in Miami than it does necessarily in Basel, which is going to be more European in emphasis, and, and then it does in Hong Kong, where you know we go next month with our first you know two floor larger fair since you know pre-COVID moment, which has a you know this extraordinary sort of lens onto what's happening in, in you know the, in the greater Asian context. And so uh, we need to do multiple things at once, but equally there's an opportunity for us in a much more intelligent way than we've ever really focused on previously to look at how we can engage a lot of those other communities that are, you know, sort of have, have launched on around the Art Basel show weeks and unlock opportunities both during those weeks, but then other other adventures, let's say, with those various communities throughout the year. And I, and I think if we do that right, we can continue to push the envelope and move the needle with, with quality parameters around bringing great art to extraordinary collector, collectors and, and patrons and institutional audiences, while at the same time unlocking opportunities with entirely different types of audiences that don't have that history or legacy necessarily with either our Basel or with, you know, collecting or going to galleries and, and, and patronizing the great institutions in the same way. Well, I guess that's what you can say has been the great success of art fairs, especially your art fairs. It, it You know, it, you're still defining the goal of your business as you provide space and VIP, you know, high qualified leads uh, effectively to galleries and they make sales and they're buying into the, the your ability to help them ma make sales. You're assuring that they are quality for your VIPs and it's a symbiotic business, but it's fairly hermetic in happening within this sort of space and, and time. But what's happened and what you describe here is Art fairs are now a bigger event. They take place all over the cities that they're, they're in. And there's different uh, measures of success. For brands, it may just be awareness. For many of the people that, who attend, it's just entertainment to be part of all of the, this, to feel like they've learned something. For many of the galleries we know, a sale doesn't have to take place that day or in the, during the week of the fair. A, a lot of what fairs are about is showing an artist, making the contacts, getting people to follow up with, with, with yes, sales are, are important, but they don't have to happen within that that uh, time frame. I guess w uh, part of what I'm a asking is, you know, again, we, we don't talk nearly enough about your VIP program. I do think it's the, one of the huge differentiators, not just the history of the uh, fair in ba Basel or gr the growth of these other fa fairs, but it is a, a, a lot where the value resides. But you also have uh, many more constituents now. And it's interesting to sort of think through and imagine, as we talked about with Paris, but even with the, the other fairs, you know, how those become part of your, your business, how they become part of your revenue model, or even just not the revenue model, the way you deliver value to your constituents. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, the VIP program that we had, and, and again, I referenced Paris because we were all together um, there last week, you know, is, is a really powerful driver of our business. I mean, our VIP representative network, which numbers 25 plus now, and, you know, is a wonderful um, leader in Irene Kim, who's somebody that that I've worked with now for many years, and I think she's just, just immensely talented, is, you know, really stirring that, that pot, so to speak. And that's the engine for our business. And that's the community that 
that really make sure that the various collecting communities in the different regions in which um, they operate originate clients to come to the shows that are developing those relationships on an ongoing basis and, and feeding all of that back into the service of our galleries. You know, the difference with with our network and and otherwise is that it's 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 a never ending business. Um, and as a business, you know, we're not in the middle of, of that business, let's say. So it's really a service that we're providing to galleries that participate in the shows. And I think what, you know, our we, Tokyo collaboration last November demonstrated was the potentiality of, of what we can do in taking, you know, clients that we have extraordinary relationships with, you know, on different types of journeys and how we can do that in a way that's not binary with, you know, the show participations, but actually can add to it and in time, you know, um, build it. So, you know, will we see in time more collectors or institutional actors or indeed galleries from say the Japanese community coming to the show in Hong Kong surely, but also elsewhere. You know, this is what we saw some years ago with, you know, the cities program, which we developed and launched, you know, with this multi-year collaboration in Buenos Aires. And it was really neat through the lens of that collaboration to see new Argentinian galleries applying to our shows and in time participating and other institutional forces as well as collectors from the Argentine community coming to the various fairs. And so we we have a unique touch point, let's say, with these communities. And I think that there's just so much more we can do with this that feeds into the the main the main business, but also adds adds more to it uh, around the edges. I think I've said this to you before in conversation, but I think one of the reasons Art Basel is such a big brand and such a powerful force within the art market and somewhat not recognized for for that is because effectively it is a federation of all of these galleries. And once you combine that federation, even if many of the individual galleries have their own great marketing skills and uh, brand recognition, even just taking that top layer off, the rest of them put together are still as big or bigger than anything else out, out there, as big or bigger than the auction ha houses, and just have a, a certain sense of being the art market, uh, uh, as it were, certainly the contemporary art, uh, art market. That always struck me as being, you know, a, a bit of a sleeping giant. Uh, which is in part why, you know, I wanted to have this conversation because it, it, it seems to me there's many different things that can happen here, but building on that, that base is uh, an enormous opportunity, um, which, you know, I wish you the best of luck with. Thanks, Varian. Um, yeah, I mean, as I, so I think we've touched on, I think that there, there is a lot of opportunity out there. Uh, there's so much we can do that this federating ethos, which was the beginning, right? I mean, that was also the, the ethos upon which Art Basel was founded 50 years ago. On the one hand, a lot has changed. On the other hand, nothing really has changed. It's still operating under the same principle. I think the difference now is as we're dealing with a wider and wider audience of collectors and ever more diverse galleries and artists and dealers, the ability to roll everything together under the Art Basel banner and what that means to newer collectors, as well as really established collectors in different cultural communities is, is very powerful. You know, we have to take that responsibility seriously, extremely seriously. We have to always be cognizant of what we stand for, you know, which is 
you know, quality excellence and, and ultimately everything in the service of the galleries and artists in the states that they in turn represent. But equal in doing that, we need to also appreciate that there's a lot more that we could do together on an ongoing basis and around these shows and with all these various different communities that we now touch. And I think that's a unique mission that that we as Art Basel can really go after. And I think, you know, if I'm successful in this role in several years time, I'll, I think we'll, we'll see a, a core business that's more fluid and more humming than ever, but a business beyond that, that is architected around entirely new ways of engaging with our various clients and, and, and in turn opening up new ways of, of creating these intersections that bring all these communities together. I am sure it will be all of that and much more. Thank you so much for the time, Noah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Darian. Thank you for joining us at the Artelligence Podcast edited by Colin Ketchin, who also composed the original music. For more episodes, listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to download the LiveArt app or visit us at liveart.io. Please join us for the next episode of the Artelligence Podcast. We're looking forward to it.